It's Tuesday at 8pm and you're listening to The Best Possible Taste on West Limerick 102 FM. You're listening to The Best Possible Taste on West Limerick 102 FM. Good evening and you're very welcome to this week's Best Possible Taste. I'm Sharon Noonan and coming up on the show tonight... We're putting the spotlight on two fantastic festivals that are taking place in Ireland. Firstly, we're going to speak to Birgitta Hedden Curtin, founder of the Burren Smokehouse and chair of the organising committee of this year's Burren Slow Food Festival, which takes place in County Clare this weekend. Then we head to Dublin to talk to Mike Neary, Board BIA Director of Horticulture and Farmer Engagement about this year's Bloom, Ireland's largest and most spectacular gardening event, which also features lots of food and family fun. But before we hear from our guests this evening, may I take this opportunity to remind you, as always, about how you can make contact with me here at The Best Possible Taste. You can drop me an email, sharon at sharonnoonan.com, or you can tweet me at Queen of Org, as in Queen of Organisation, and I'm also on Instagram at Sharon J. Noonan. So this weekend, the Burren Slow Food Festival returns to County Clare. There's a fantastic programme of events that includes food experiences, talks and tastings, cookery demonstrations and lots more. I spoke to Birgitta Hedden Curtin, founder of the Burren Smokehouse and chair of the festival organising committee to find out more. Bon appétit. Yummy. Grubs up. Delicious. Mmm. Brigitte, you're very welcome to the best possible taste. Great to see that the Burren Slow Food Festival is back after its hiatus due to COVID. And it's on this Friday until this Sunday in the beautiful Burren. So tell us what's happening. First of all, on Friday night, you have your signature event, which really is a wonderful showcase of seafood from the region. And it's sold out. Um, already so um, hard luck to anybody that hasn't got a ticket but do make us all envious of what's happening on Friday night. So it's an absolute a wonderful event connecting the burn with um, the old connections in this year. There used to be a lot of trades going between um, the North Clare and in this year with cattle being transported and uh, seaweed and turf coming back and so on so the, there's a huge tradition there and we're celebrating it with a um, a locally fished product, which is the, the crab and the lobster. And that's a Tignet is um, the restaurant or pub restaurant that will uh, have this wonderful, uh, freshly caught lobster and crab. I mean, could you think of anything more beautiful Amazing. than that? Uh, along with, you know, if you want to have a glass of Guinness with that, goes beautiful and we'll probably bring a bit of smoked salmon as well to add to this seafood buffet and uh, it's a you know it's a fantastic experience we go out five o'clock and we come back later on that evening and that's an absolute gem of an event uh, kind of uh, huddling up before the uh, the events on the Saturday and the Sunday and even though it isn't the geofood as such um, it's not branded as a geofood but it is the concept of it and the concept of the produce is like you couldn't get it fresher than that. Uh, fished off the inner year and then we, we will eat it straight from being fished. So that, that's you couldn't get it better than that. 
Well, you've mentioned geo food there, which is the theme of this year's festival, and it's a it's a relatively new initiative. So, just explain to the listeners what geo food is exactly. So we are uh, existing here in the Burnecatoris Network, which is a group of people working together in the Burren and Cliffsmore Geopark. So it's geoparks is, has UNESCO status. There's geoparks internationally all over the world, and one of the geoparks in uh, Norway, Magma, have uh, decided with a, to come up with a concept where you have geofood, and the geofood concept is that all the raw materials. Uh, has been collected or you know fished, foraged, um, grazed <laughs> in the geopark itself. So that is the geofood from that particular geopark, and there's certain criteria that goes with it. And um, one of them is that the raw material comes from the area and that it's produced in the area. So that's the the geofood concept. And Karen Gleason, who's the manager of the uh, the Geopark, Burn and Kipsamohar uh, Geopark have taken on this project uh, to create the uh, the concepts of the geofoods in the Burn and Kipsamohar Geopark. So there are a number of, uh, I think there's 10 producers that are for the moment has been showcased uh, and you can actually look it up on the, on the website. And uh, so you have the burn gold cheese, you have the St. ghost cheese, Linanda ice cream, all the milk that has been uh, the cows have grazed and the uh, goats have grazed in the barn, creating the milk. And the milk then has been used to produce cheese and ice cream. So it, it, it's a very short, small batch uh, production. And uh, with, with, you know, the flavors of the barn will be in the cheeses and the ice cream, which is amazing. Uh, then we have the likes of new key oysters that uh, grow in, um, or the flagishore oysters that grow in um, and are, are uh, finished off in new key. Uh, that is now owned by Connor and Mark from Glenan's uh, pub, and they have um, they've got on to the. They are also part of the geo food, and then we have uh, other producers. So there's. Uh, Burn food and wine. Um, it does a, a beetroot grows on beetroot and does beetroot chutney. We have uh, Una Dwyer uh, produces products, a range of products as well. She does foraging, but and seaweed, but she has a range of products that she has as part of the geo food. But you can read all about it. So Saturday will be all talks about the economic benefit of all this small batch production and how that will impact on the area and the economy of the area and sustainability of the area, uh, as well as talking about the nutritional values of the small batch food production. There will be um, also De Sarah from Magma Geopark will also join us, uh, not, not live, but uh, on a link. And she'd be uh, talking about the concept of the, the geofood. And um, we'll have John and Sally McKenna are going to help us to do emceeing and, and help launch the whole project, as well as Leslie Williams. Uh, they're all journalists and uh, all involved in the food movement in Ireland. So we're very lucky to have them coming to visit us and to support us. 
a fantastic lineup of events and I think it's fair to say that the geofood values and the slow food values are very closely aligned and I think there sometimes can be a misconception out there that slow food is food that you cook slowly whereas that's not what it's about. Just explain what the slow food movement is because again it's a global movement. Yeah so the slow food is about uh, the products that we uh, that we eat, you know, where does it come from? How is it produced? Is it locally produced, small batch, and also nutritional value? But it's also the whole concept of the link between the restaurateurs and the producers and the consumers and the producers. And it, it's also about how we eat together, how is family uh, eat together? And that's hugely social and um, economic benefit, benefit as well, and sustainable way of living, and um, I think for health, health and wealth, and the health and mental wellness, you know that that thing of the family unity coming together to eat. So it, there's a whole range, or even the community eating together, like we will be doing at the banquet in the Burns Storehouse with uh, Peter Jackson is going to put on a meal, uh, put on a banquet with uh, geo food and other food from the barn that we'd be eating together in uh, and that kind of community spirit and community effort uh, coming together is, is really important and something to be cherished. Um, yeah, so that, that's what slow food is a very broad uh, philosophy, but it's about local produce, it's about uh, local recipes, it's about uh, the cult food culture of an area and of a country uh, to cherish that and to uh, continue on with the you know certain you know uh, recipes that that has been guarded for years and to bring that out as well uh, these particular recipes that has that are unique to an area and the flavors are very unique to the Burham because it has a very unique landscape and that actually impacts on the the raw materials the meat the beef the seafood, it all comes through in the actual ingredients that you have there. Yeah, so the burned beef and lamb is hugely important as well. And, you know, uh, the grass gives, again, not only flavour to the milk, but also to the uh, to the meat itself. So we will have Rona from, uh, uh, from the burned farm experiences. We'll be there with her beef and... Uh, that again is something to celebrate, and the, the flavors of it. I, actually, years back, I brought um, tastes of of beef, of organic beef from the barn and um, locally sourced beef into tasting panel, and I mean the barn beef and lamb came up tops. You know, it just has a very unique flavor, and all the complexities of the grasses that is in the um, in the barn. That's something to be celebrated. And that affects the milk as well as the beef and lamb. And of course, with them, with seafood, uh, you're talking about the the maroir. You know, you're talking about the terroir and the maroir, which is again the where the oysters are being finished. Uh, that that um, is affected by the different. You know, how much fresh water, how much sea water, and the substrate that they, they grow on. So the, the limestone would have an effect there on the flavors. Of the particular um, oysters, as well as the the grass has the the um, flavor uh, impacts on the flavor of the beef and the lamb. 
And I get a great sense of community every time I go to the Burren and you all work so closely together to promote the area and to promote each other. And the Sunday of the festival this year is really focusing on Ukraine and the Ukrainian residents that are, that are now in Liston Varna. Tell us about what you're doing as part of the Burren Slow Food Festival on the Sunday. So on the Sunday we have... Um, two people from the Ukrainian community that is going to do some talking about their food culture and doing some cooking of their produce that they that they uh, that's typical for Ukrainian food and then we also are honored to have um the um Nee Fox and uh, from Kai um we have Jess Murphy coming so that's amazing uh, to to have them support us and they're going to do a um using Irish ingredients and giving a kind of a flavor of the Ukrainian food that they have interpreted. So again, Jess Murphy has been very much involved in that in Kai and she's done uh, several fundraisers for, for the Ukrainian community. So it's, it's fantastic to have her coming to Lisbon And of course, you know, it's a celebration to the whole of the Baron. So people, even though there's a program on, you can come in, you can go to the, the big farmer's market and uh, food to go. And also, there's it's an opportunity to travel around in the area and visit all the different uh, producers because that, that's invaluable, really, with the barn. There's so many places that you can go to and go to visit and uh, enjoy. You know, all these uh, places are fully open now uh, and... You can go to the Alba Caves, you can visit St. Tola Goatsius, you can visit um, ourselves in the Burn Smokehouse, and you can visit, um, you can do book for, um, with Una to go foraging, and she will be doing some foraging, uh, foraging walk in the evening of the, of the Saturday evening. So, but you can also book things like that. So you can go on to burn.ie uh, to find out more about the different places you can visit. And of course, slowfoodclare.com has the full program. Um, and also you can, we'll be fully booked now, I think. I think there's two tickets left for the banquet. Uh, but other than that, we're fully booked for the uh, the meals, which is great. You know, at this stage, we need to, we need to be. Uh, but there's lots of spaces to come and visit both the farmer's market and to come and listen to all the talks with the likes of Michael Gleason talking about the economical impact and also there's some tastings during first we have talks and then the tasting on that particular session of the different geo foods so you can uh, get the opportunity to actually taste the products uh, all through saturday so that that it will work coming to visit and you have a great network there where you all collaborate with each other the burren ecotourism network which has a huge membership in the in the region Absolutely, and it's the the producers, the restaurateurs, the accommodation providers, all working together to promote um, North Clare, the Burren, and of course that will impact the whole of Clare. I saw a, a tweet, and uh, Discover Ireland is doing some fantastic work to support um, Fulcher Island and um, to support the area. So they recently uh, released a video about keep discovering. You know, so it's it's great to have the support of the, the agencies. And of course, 
we couldn't do this uh, and uh, if it wasn't if it wasn't for color gas they have um, a, a gas a, a gas that is sustainably produced and, and uh, a lot of biogas LPG uh, that we actually use and a lot of uh, the network use and they are generously supporting this festival and uh, so again that's hugely important for us to get support like that and uh, we, we get other forms of support as well from the likes of um, BIM and Bobia and Fortier Island particularly um, and uh, the Department of um, Agriculture uh, as well. So all, all that support makes a huge difference to us being able to uh, create festivals and also to market ourselves into uh, the Irish and the international community. Tourism Ireland would, as well would have sent, uh, there was a recent um, visit from Tourism Ireland, so things like that makes a huge difference to uh, our network. And and I want you to give a shout out as well to your Taste the Atlantic experience that you have there because I took my family there last summer and it really is a very impressive place to visit and, and a great resource for children, educational, but lots of fun as well. Well, thank you uh, for mentioning that. Yeah, BIM and Fortier Island has helped us to create this uh, experience where you it's a self-guided experience, can be guided as well, and you can see a, a video or a, a shadow play about the story of the salmon of knowledge. Uh, as well as learning more about the wild salmon and the organic salmon and sustainability and why it is uh, in why the organic salmon has um, is seen as a sustainable product and again how it impacts on the rural areas in on the west coast of Ireland so again it's all about sustainability and that's what the network is working towards or, and working with um, basically that we we want to create experiences that you can come and visit without uh, harming the environment. Fantastic. Well, look, this weekend, Friday, the Seafood Supper, which unfortunately is fully booked. Then on Saturday, people have an opportunity to do the Q&A with Sarah Gentilini, who is the founder of the GeoFood Initiative. Lots of talks and tastings there. The Burn Slow Food Banquet on the Saturday evening that Peter Jackson, the chef from the Armada Hotel, is curating. And then on Sunday, that tribute to Ukraine and the Ukrainian community. Such a brilliant weekend. As you said, slowfoodclare.com is the place to get all the information. And thanks a million for telling us all about it, Brigitte. Thank you, Sharon. Lovely to speak. Thank you for your support. You're listening to The Best Possible Taste on West Limerick 102 FM. Welcome back to The Best Possible Taste. I'm Sharon Noonan and just before the break we heard all about this year's Burren Slow Food Festival. Thanks to Birgitta Hedden-Curtin, Chair of the Festival Organising Committee and be sure to visit slowfoodclare.com to get all the details. If you're just tuning in now and you missed that, you might want to catch The Best Possible Taste on West Limerick 102FM when it's repeated on Wednesday mornings at 8am and the podcasts are available to listen to on SharonNoonan.com as well as iTunes and the podcast app. 
Now, every June bank holiday, thousands of people flood the Phoenix Park in the capital to enjoy Bloom, Ireland's largest and most spectacular gardening event, which also features lots of food and family fun. Last week, I spoke to Mike Neary, the board be a director of horticulture and farmer engagement, to find out what we can look forward to next month. Bon appétit. Yummy. Grubs up. Delicious. Mmm. Mike, delighted to have you on the programme today. Thanks a million for taking the time to talk to me because you're very busy at the moment, even though it's another few weeks before Bloom actually takes place in Phoenix Park. You're actually busy with the build and everything at the moment. And of course, there must be fierce excitement that you're back in person this year after a bit of a break due to COVID. Absolutely. No, we're absolutely thrilled to be back and out in the fresh air and, and, and building the Bloom site in the Bloom Village at the moment as well and we, we, we've obviously had the two years of uh, cancellation because of COVID. 2019 was the last time we were up in the park and, and that event was huge. We had 120,000 visitors and um, we, we did a, a Bloom virtual show for the last two years online which is great. We got great engagement, fantastic interest from, from, from listeners and our loyal supporters around the country but I, I think at this stage we're just delighted to get back and, and to have the real physical show uh, starting on June the 2nd, running to June the 6th, and we're back, as I said, in the visitor centre, which is at the heart of the Phoenix Park. We have a 70-acre site. We started to build uh, the gardens there about 10 days ago, at the very beginning of May, and I was up there yesterday visiting the site, and it's really starting to take shape as well, and great to see a busy, uh, if you like, site, and people get really excited about putting on what really is going to be a fantastic show for the visitors starting in early June as well. So we've a lot done, but we've still plenty of work to do yet, Sharon. So we're, 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 we're busy. Well, whenever you talk about an audience of 120,000 people or 120,000 visitors, it just goes to show how popular Bloom is. And I think a lot of that is down to the fact that no matter what age you are, no matter what your interests are, there's so much there for everybody to enjoy because there's the food, there's the gardening, there's education, there's inspiration. There's just so much going on. Absolutely, Sharon. And, and it's very much we always like to call it. It's a family event, um, you know, and absolutely like the gardening is, is at the core of the show. Uh, we always like to call that out. Um, but as you rightly said, besides that there, we have a huge amount of everything else. We've got a children's zone in terms of entertaining the kids and play activities, um, activities on the stage. And uh, we have a music stage there for those who just want to sit down, relax, enjoy a drink and listen to some good music. And um, we have the food village, which always is extremely popular. Um, and, you know, once again this year, we have up to 90, uh, if you like, our client companies, uh, but, but very much our, our great food producers uh, from right around the country who will be displaying their, their products, doing some tastings and hopefully getting visitors who come and taste and get that experience and when they go back home they go into their local supermarkets and looking for, they're looking for these products we like to build that that legacy of bloom in terms of delivering great business for 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 great food companies that are are many around the country and of course we'll have the ever popular chef stage back again our quality kitchen stage um, and delighted to say we've got a great program of chefs again this year many of the, the favorites that people have become very familiar with pretty during COVID we all watch tv and got into our own home cooking so be it Nevin McGuire, Rory O'Connell, Mark Moriarty, JP McMahon, Brian McDermott, we, we have them all on stage at Bloom over the five days. So if cooking is your is your interest, there's something for you there as well. So as you said, Sharon, look right, right around the show, right around the event, there's, there's something for everybody to come enjoy. And, and one thing I actually I'll say to people is make sure you come early because it's quite a big site. There is a lot on. And just to get 
you know, just to get a good run at the day and not to be rushed and to get around to see everything. Um, I would just advise get there early and, and, and take your time and enjoy what the show has to offer. I couldn't agree with you more about getting there early because there is so much to do and you want to be able to relax and enjoy all the different aspects of it. And whenever you're talking there about the cookery demonstrations, for example, like somebody had said to me in an interview a number of years ago, no food festival would be complete without Nevin Maguire at it. He is such a draw, he's such an attraction. And this year he's actually doing something with the children, specifically at, at Bloom. Yeah, yeah, it's a little, little cooking competition as well, because uh, I said, never probably been with us since probably year one. Um, you know, And I think in Ireland we're spoiled for great chefs, to be honest. Um, I think in, they've all become household names as well. But yeah, Nevin, normally when, when, when the show happens as well, people either ask, where are the gardens or when, when is Nevin on? That tends to be the two questions we're asked most at the gate as well. So, um, but it's, I think, look, it's a, it's a love of food. Irish people just love their food. Um, and we've got such a rich diversity of food. And like the great thing about Blooms, it's showcased for our food industry um, in terms of really what we do really, really well. And people like Nevin and all the other chefs are great ambassadors for our, what we say, quality mark produced food. Um, it really showcases what we can do, how great it is, and, and the various range of ways that we can use it as well. So um, it is, it is as I said, Sharon, you know, the two most popular probably areas on the site tend to be either the show gardens, which are at the heart, or the food village where, where, where the stages and the chefs are, are, doing, are doing their business as well. So um, it's just great to have them back life and really to enjoy the, the experience of it and that engagement. And as I said, the kids have been brought in very much because I suppose one thing we're trying to do is is trying to build the next generation of, if you like, public who have an interest, who know about their, their food industry, about horticultural industry, and how that can enrich their lives. You know, be it good food, good eating, that it's local, that it's seasonal, that it is available. And you can start that young enough as well, and education starts young. And in fact, on the first two days of your Thursday, Friday, uh, we run a schools program in conjunction with AgriAware called Incredible Edibles, and that's supported by... Department of Health, Department of Education, by the horticultural industry, and I we do a great job of coordinating that project. And we will have up to a thousand schoolchildren coming in at the Thursday, Friday, uh, to get a tour of the site, to visit the show, and experience everything that it has to offer. Because we don't want to forget about the next generation and, and blooms a great showcase to educate them as well. And I think whenever I was growing up, gardening was very much seen as, as a bit of a boring hobby for the older generation. But whenever you go to the likes of Bloom and you see the show gardens, the postcard garden, gardens, the gardening and sustainable aspect of it, the living stage, the sculpture garden, like it has really evolved over the years. So I think as, as a child to see those really small gardens and see what the potential is, is just really inspirational. Yeah, I think you're right, Sharna. I, I think how gardening is perceived now um, is, is different. Um, and it, it's more mainstream um, and you know if we look at you know just reflecting on even lockdowns and COVID like what became the most important part of a people's house is actually the garden and we were looking there was good weather during some of the lockdowns we were able to get out into the garden and use that as their escape and um, if they're working at home it was the coffee break it was entertaining friends and it was your opportunity to engage with neighbour because you couldn't move that far so your garden became your kind of castle if you like and important to you and when we look at actually the garden, we measure the gardening market um, with our research people in Borbia, and the growth in that market in terms of the purchase of plants, gardening equipment was absolutely phenomenal over the last two years. So if I go back to pre-COVID in 2019, it was worth about 800 million. The whole gardening market, that's both plants and, if you like, hard, hard landscaping, it reached 1.7 billion uh, the, the year after COVID. That's a doubling of the growth, and that has been sharing people haven't been at home 
the garden becomes so important in engaging with it. And so what we want to do at Bloom this year is, is to bring people back and to kind of maintain that momentum and that interest and give someone new ideas and some new inspiration. And that, that's really the place we want to get. But that's really what the aim of the show is this year, is to show that that outdoor space, it promotes positive mental and physical health, which is so important during COVID. And the other big thing it reflects is this whole talk about sustainability, as you mentioned, and climate change, and not just what the world should do, but what we can do as individuals. And you can do so much through your own garden, through biodiversity, pollinator-friendly plants, um, you know, in terms of you know how we engage with nature. There's so much we can do ourselves. So I think all that comes together at Blue. And that's why horticulture in many ways and gardening can help us to deliver that. So it's much broader, as you said, Char, than what might have been traditional garden. It might be a small little bit of grow your own in the backyard. It's much more, it's much deeper. If you look at, we've got 90 show gardens this year, uh, and we really have, we'll have some of the big wow show gardens, which people will be very impressed by. But also we'll have what I would call those gardens where somebody could take part and say, you know what? I could replicate that in my own garden. I could take that idea or that little piece of idea away as well. So that, that's where I, I, I think the point you made is absolutely bang on. I think gardening is for everybody, but it's mainstream now. Um, it's a bit like I said, the cooking and the chef thing as well now. It wasn't just you cook to kind of feed. It was, it's an experience. It is an inspiration. And it becomes, it's weaved into your life and it's such an important part as well. And we think that's what Bloom helps to deliver to bring it out to that different platform. So it's, it's, it's certainly, I think, while there been so much downsides to COVID and lockdown, and we, we know what they are, uh, but the one thing that people have discovered uh, more and more is the outdoor space, the green space, the gardens, and the role they can play in, in, in a healthy life as well. And we'll continue that team at Bloom very strongly this year. And there is such a connection then between chefs and, and growing your own food or sourcing locally in-season ingredients, because all the best chefs, that would be their ethos. And another good thing to come out of COVID was that people became more aware that you don't have to have a field in the back garden to grow your own produce. Like you can, even if you only have a small balcony outside, there are lots of things that you can still grow there from potatoes in a pot to herbs in a window box, that it, it, it doesn't take an acre of land to grow your own food. Yeah, absolutely. And like, people don't have to be ambitious. You don't have to grow everything. Yeah, you can go and buy So, so because we've got fantastic horticultural growers in Ireland, and I always give a big shout out to our commercial horticultural growers. They're coming into their main season now. They're coming into the summer. Um, so whether it's to do with your, your fresh salads, your feed veg, your potatoes as well, we're, we're coming into that time of the season. People love when the new season product comes in. So I'd always give a shout out to look for a good Q Mark Irish product when you're in the supermarket from our local growers. But for people who are doing at home, absolutely. It can be strawberries in, 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 a, in a pot in a hanging basket, for example. It can be a small raised bed, um, you know, with, with a small selection of veg. And there will be some nice, one of the show gardens is actually a balcony garden, for example, because we shouldn't forget that everybody doesn't live in a big garden. Everybody doesn't live in, in the rural areas. We have people living in the towns and the cities. It might be just a balcony, but you can do stuff in the balcony as well. Some very simple planting, is it herbs in the pot or something like this. So right throughout the show, actually, there, there'll be representations of that. So if people want to come and get some ideas about taking a raised bed and what's the best to grow on it. There will be advice there and um, there will be instruction there on how you can actually go about doing that as well. And we have our large retail pavilion there. So if you want to buy anything to do with gardening from your, call it your lawnmower down to your shears, down to your, your compost, whatever, there are people there um, that can help you and guide you and advise you on that as well. So I, I also the people, and one thing we like to do Bloom is it's for the, it's as much for the amateur gardener as somebody who's a bit more, uh, what I call really um, into gardening in a large, large way. Um, we will have, as you just arrive into the show at the front entrance, we will have all our uh, nursery displays, our plant displays outdoors this year. Um, and 
once you come into the show, it's all plants, plants, plants. And you'll have some of the best growers in the country there, either specialist nurseries growing that, specialist plant that you mightn't see commonly, or, or our other nursery plants as well. So, so if you need advice, if you need help, if you need some direction, it'll all come together in this one spot for those particular five days as well. So I, I keep going out, whether you're a real advocate gardener, I'm very, very good at it, or even if you're the amateur gardener, there'll be that bit of help you there and advice you there as well. And, 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 and something for everybody to take away, I think. And whenever I was looking at the website earlier, I saw there is a section on the website that has garden design templates there that you can go in depending on what shape, size your garden is, if it's north, east, south basin, if it's a coastal garden. There are actually designs there that people can, can download and use themselves at home. That's right, John. That actually came out of uh, our Bloom virtual show last year. So because we couldn't bring people physically together, and um, what we decided to do last was we got six of our top award-winning designers to design six gardens with different teams. And as you mentioned, the Beatles Coastal Gardens was one example there. Um, to draw those designs, we put them up on our website, and then we did planting plants for each one of those, which were actually numbered. So even if you didn't know a lot about the plants, you could take part, that plant or part of it, to replicate in your own garden, and you had the plants numbered for you. So you could just go to your local garden centre and ask your, you know, you ask your Irish plants, and these are the plants that I want, and you plant them as directed in the planting plan. So the aim was to make it as easy and as accessible for people to actually re replicate it themselves at home. Uh, and the guidance, as you said, is on the website in terms of planting plans and the layout and the names of all the plants. And the beauty of this year's show, because we're going back live, is that we're, we're, we're building two of those gardens at Bloom this year. So we had six on the website. We've taken two of them. We're actually going to build them at Bloom. We'll have the designers there and we'll have all the plants in. So if somebody comes along and looks at the website in advance, they can actually have a look at that and then come and see it in real at the show and, and get the advice of how they can do it themselves. So I think what we want to try and do, Sharon, is make it as, is gardening as accessible to everybody who is an interest in it and wants to do something in their own garden. And I think that's what people have done since COVID. They kind of said, oh, yeah, I'd like to do a little bit more. It might be a little corner, it could be a little space, it could be the broader garden itself. Um, so hopefully, if, if those people are, are at Bloom, there'll be some nice tips and some nice advice on, on how they can do that as well. And if they don't, if, and I'd say if they're not coming to Bloom, to go to the Borbia uh, and the Bloom website there and they get the information anyways about designing those show gardens, if you like, and take an element that they could actually replicate in their own garden as well. So uh, we've got a great response to it and uh, hopefully, hopefully people get some nice ideas from it. And you'll also have not one but two winners of the Super Garden, the TV show on RTE this year, because of course the 2020 winner Mark Hoey, he he missed out on on being there last year, so he's going to have his garden there, and then the winner of this year's Super Garden as well, and that's we don't know who that is yet. No, no, um, like that's the the beauty. And actually, one of the more I, I mentioned the popular parts of the show gardens again. That's all very popular. People want to know. Where's the show? show uh, is, a, is a super garden winner, and just to meet the designer and see the garden in reality as well. So um, that's correct. Mark is Mark is already up on the site building his garden as we speak at the moment, and, and the other super garden uh, winner will be announced very close to Bloom, and that garden will be at Bloom side by side with others as well. So it's, it's great because um, people get the opportunity to kind of see the work that actually goes into doing the design and to building the gardens, and then to see it brought to life as well. And I suppose one thing that the program does, and we try to bloom, is to try and encourage new designers and young designers because we have as i said we've got a great mix this year between what i would call 
our, our kind of long-term really award medal-winning garden designers we've got many of those in the country now but we've also got a nice mix of new energetic uh, designers that are coming on stream what bloom gives them an opportunity is to show their skills to the public uh, and, and to engage that and super garden is an ideal vehicle for that as well so yeah those gardens are really really great attractions and and people will get a great view of those when they come to the show this year and you do an amazing job at keeping under wraps who the winner is because obviously they know from last year when it, they know that they're the winner i don't know how you manage to keep it out of the papers and, and keep it on the qt yeah I, and i'm not telling you sharon who won it this year yet but, <laughs> but, i wouldn't yeah, yeah, ask i wouldn't ask i look forward to being surprised because they're all fantastic yeah. gardens very good and and the work they put into it as i said to you over over a number of weeks is, is phenomenal as well so yeah i, I said if you want to find out come to the show well, as you said, come early. I would also say make a plan of action because if there's certain gardens or designers that you want to talk to, if there's cookery demonstrations that you want to see as well, make sure you know beforehand when those are on and make sure you leave plenty of time to, to sit down and enjoy some of the food that's available there as well. And um, Just before we go, I wanted to ask you a bit more about the sculpture gardening because it sounds really fascinating, Mike. Yeah, I mean, the sculpture garden, we've had it for oh, six or seven years there. And what this is really trying to display is show um, it provides a garden setting for some fantastic sculpture pieces that are prepared by some of our best uh, artisan um, sculpture producers in the country. And that's really what this is all about. So you'll have the opportunity to come along and, and, and see those sculptures as well. It's actually quite near the plant area. Once you come into the site, one of the first gardens you'll actually see is, is a sculpture garden as well. So it's, it's always of huge interest to people because often people think when, when they do the garden what more can I do to embellish or improve my garden and the opportunity is there to see pieces in the garden setting that they feel do you know what that might fit in my garden that's something I would like to see as well so it's a nice promotion to the garden but also to we talk about food we talk about horticulture and we even talk about our artisan if you like um, uh, sort of drinks companies but also our, our artists such as our, 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 our sculptures as well so they're getting a showcase at Bloom as well. And I shouldn't also forget to mention the Botanical Art Exhibition. That's there every year at Bloom in the Visitor Centre. So this actually is, if you want to buy a nice picture which shows some nice floral art on it, that's on display as well. So what we try and do is weave in as much as possible is things that have a link to gardening and to outdoors and if you like a culture and our history and our art as well. And, and the sculpture garden, I think, very much reflects that as well, Charlie. Again, so very interesting for people, and usually gets a huge amount of attention. Brilliant. Well, listen, roll on the second of June, Mike. For people that want to get tickets, they want to find out more. Where's the best place for them to go to? Yeah, just very simply, if you go to uh, boardbeatbloom.com, and uh, go to the website, and you get all the information there. Um, as you called out, Charlie, later on in terms of what's on, what events are on the time schedules and more and more information will be added as we get near to the, the start of the show on the 2nd of June. And there's also a tab on the top that says ticket sales. You can just click on that and go straight onto the website and, and get their tickets. And I would advise if people can, is buy your tickets in advance, just not to be disappointed as well, because I think we're going to have a massive interest this year because we haven't been around for two years. And uh, normally we'd have very loyal people that might come back every second year. Of course, we get people come back every year or every third year. So I think we're going to have a lot of people coming in the same year. So just in terms of you get onto the site much quicker um, and it makes life much easier for you as well. So just encourage people to, to, to get early, book early and have your ticket in advance as well. So boardbeatbloom.com, you get all the information there, Sharon. Fantastic. Well, listen, best of luck with the rest of the build, Mike, and we look forward to it from the 2nd to the 6th of June. Brilliant, Sharon. Nice to talk to you. Thank you. 
You're listening to the best possible taste on West Limerick 102 FM. Welcome back to the best possible taste. I'm Sharon Noonan, and just before the break, I was talking to Mike Neary, Board B, a director of horticulture and farmer engagement, about this year's Bloom, Ireland's largest and most spectacular gardening event which also features lots of food and family fun. And that takes place at the start of June, so perfect if you're looking for something to do for the June bank holiday weekend. And earlier on in the programme, we heard all about the Burn Slow Food Festival, thanks to Birgitta Hedden Curtin, Chair of the Festival Organising Committee. And be sure to visit slowfoodclare.com to get all the details about the full programme of events that are taking place in County Clare this weekend. If you're just tuning in now and you've missed all of that, you might want to catch the best possible taste on West Limerick 102 FM when it's repeated on Wednesday mornings at 8am and the podcasts are available to listen to on SharonNoonan.com as well as iTunes and the podcast app and anywhere else that you might get your podcast. And that brings us to the end of the programme tonight. Thanks for listening and to my guests, Brigitte Hedden-Curtin and Mike Neary. Until next time, bon appétit. Do you want to get in touch with the best possible taste? Do you want to come on, share a recipe, review a cookery book, or just have a general chat about what you like to eat and drink? All you have to do is get in touch with me, Sharon Noonan, by sending an email to s.noonan at live.ie or send me a tweet at Queen of Org. Bon appétit.